We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to a special Happy New Year's edition of Fusion Patrol uh, for for our Patreon subscribers, but for everyone else, it's probably a March episode of Fusion Patrol. But anyway, it's it's um, resolution, the Doctor Who New Year's special. Um, I do want to say just uh, two things before I get into my recap. Um, the first is I just watched the episode. And, I mean, literally, just watch the episode. And I have determined that the quality of my recaps varies depending on how much time I've had to edit them and think about them. So, I haven't even read my own recap yet. That's one. And two, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, a few weeks ago, um, in one of the podcasts, I... And Simon were having a discussion, and I made an assertion, uh, an assertion, assertion that this episode should be called "Resolution of the Daleks," uh, because I was guessing, and I this is what I want to stress: I truly was guessing. I was not privy to any kind of spoilery info. I was basing it uh, on the same kind of wild ass speculation that I was doing with the whole Morpath Jetson thing in the almost tomorrow people episode where we thought it was the master and it was totally wrong in this case i was basing it on the weird wording of chibnall's we don't have any returning villains in this year's shows that that sounded like an abnormal way to phrase it so uh i was surprised not expecting it Uh, let's put it that way so I just want to say that I, I, we don't intentionally do spoilers on this show. That's that's the point I'm getting at. It was not my intention to be spoilery. It was my intention to make sure that you understood. I was just taking a wild theory, crazy guess that didn't really expect to pan out. Sadly, it panned out. And the recap goes as follows. In the ninth well, well, century. I, I just, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to say hello, everybody. Oh, hi, Simon. Did I forget that? Did I it's forget me. to say hello? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wow. here too. Simon's here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. <laughs> Welcome to Get, uh, a guest guesting on the Eugene show. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> I feel really bad. It's a new year. Everything's changed. I <laughs> We've been off this for a while. I just want to say we, we have not recorded for a little bit. So uh, I'm out of the swing. I, I haven't got my sea legs on land yet. So uh, sorry. Sorry. Would you like to read I, the recap? I just wanted okay. to li- no, no, no. I was just worried that the listeners might think that there had been funding cuts and the, the other hosts had been axed. Yes, this is this is also part of our no deal Brexit. Uh... <laughs> 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 All right. Let's try that recap again. Thank you for reminding me, Simon. (laughs) In the ninth century, based on the context of this story, somewhere that might be in England, epic armies come together to battle the most deadly foe the planet Earth has ever faced. They prevailed, and they follow up their victory with possibly the dumbest plan in the history of the universe. The body of their slain foe is cut into three parts, sent to the three corners of the earth, where a lone guardian will sit on the remains for all eternity, making sure that, hell, I don't know what they were actually expecting, but they sat there for centuries. 
Except for that one guardian who got killed. And the deadly remnants just lay beside the road unmolested for so long that it got covered up in situ and preserved for our new archaeologist friends in Sheffield to dig it up. And on New Year's Day 2019, they reanimate the body, which promptly teleports the other bits back together and forms into a squid-like thing. The doctor picks up an earth alarm of alien activity and tracks it where she and the gang are on the trail of the enemy, which turns out to be a Dalek, sans casing. The Dalek has taken the body of the female archaeologist and is using it as a makeshift transport machine in order to take over the Earth. As it attempts to collect parts to further its mission of taking over the Earth, Ryan's dad shows up for some heartwarming family holiday special fodder. He's apparently an engineer peddling microwave ovens door to door. I didn't catch the brand name, but I think it was Chekhov's Gun Microwaves and Plot Devices. Between raiding a high-tech firm collecting alien technology and a scrap merchant's farm, the Dalek, using the female archaeologist's strong arms and some mean blacksmithing skills, builds a new Dalek casing. Next, the Dalek proceeds to a major communications hub to send a signal to the fleet. With Ryan's dad's help and his wicked microwave skills, they defeat the Dalek's plan, mostly. But the Dalek escapes and takes Ryan's dad, blackmailing the doctor into returning him to Scarrow in the TARDIS. The doctor tricks the Dalek by opening up the TARDIS to a supernova. But it looks like Ryan's dad will die too, until Ryan can overcome his dyspraxia and hold his father's hand, saving him from being sucked into the supernova. With that, the Earth is saved, and the gang leave. Resolution of the Daleks. Resolution. Just resolution. Were there opening credits? No. Okay. Okay. That's part of the problem with not getting to watch it twice. It's like by the time I got to the end, I go, wait, they haven't had the opening credits yet. Or have they? Did I forget them? Because I did miss the whole supernova thing uh the the fireworks at the beginning they they cut to that scene and i reached over to drink a sip of tea and when i looked back it was on their reaction shots and i never saw whatever it was they were looking at in space so which i thought was odd and i didn't feel like rewinding because i didn't have time so i'm hoping to catch that and i'm hoping it's as spectacular as they describe it okay i was hoping for the return of pre-titles but actually the whole thing ended up being pre-titled for a reason that i I don't understand, but you can confirm that it there were no opening titles because the credits that normally go in the opening titles were at the end. I saw and that. By yeah. the time I'd given up on the fact that we weren't going to get opening titles, I was like 99% certain that Chibnall had lied about the title of the episode and it was actually going to be called Resolution of the Daleks after all, but he didn't want to put the spoiler in. <laughs> so I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Well, I couldn't think of any other reason, but it turned out still to be resolution, so I don't know. I'm not sure, yeah, I'm not sure what the title referred to. Is it Resolution of of Ryan and His Dad? Resolution. That's that's my only thinking in terms of this, because the Dalek story itself wasn't really about, well, it wasn't really about resolution, though, whether it's ever been about resurrection or revolution or revelations or anything else i don't know or remembrance <laughs> that's got to be the worst the, of the bunch the 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 resol- i mean the whole i think it was meant to be about ryan his dad that didn't feel like a storyline that was actually resolved to me no it 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 was it was something that had been hanging over the show in the sense that there had been numerous references to ryan's dad and particularly the fact that he didn't turn up for Grace's funeral but what what we actually got in this episode was he turned up and 
Ryan was pissed off at him, but Ryan still loves him, which he kind of did before, didn't he? Because, you know, that... Well, he wouldn't be hurt by him if he didn't. Yeah, and that's sort of how it goes with parents. You you do and you are, however much you may not want to. And uh, yeah, as you say, that's that's the reason that, that Ryan was hurt by him. So dad turns up and says a few inadequate things. And Ryan says, those are inadequate things. And dad goes, well, you're right. Um, and in that supernova moment, we get that, yes, Ryan loves his dad. But like I say, we knew that already. And so what actually was resolved here? Um, <clears throat> We're not saying that dad still isn't on the outs. totally inadequate. Yeah. Except 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 for his microwave skills with a Z. Oh, dear. Um, and I, I'm glad you... I thought of it as Chekhov's microwave in the first scene. Uh, so I'm glad you, you had that too. And if anyone didn't get it then, when they actually lumbered into the TARDIS with the microwave for no particular reason, surely they'd have got it by then. <laughs> yeah. That micro. This, this means a, something. This isn't just a microwave and an oven. It's a microwave and an oven and a plot device. Woohoo! <laughs> the floor wax. It's a shoe polish. I can't remember what the. No, never mind. Uh, the uh, yeah yeah. So let's let's. Um, okay, I will just throw out. It could be the resolution of the Battle of Hope Valley. Finally, after all these centuries. But <clears throat> even even a Dalek invasion in the ninth century had to be finally fixed by the doctor in the end. But let, let's talk about the the bit with Ryan and his dad, because uh, there were a couple things that did actually stand out to me. And the first was, I was genuinely impressed with Graham in this episode. He has every right to be pissed off at Aaron and and treat him badly. And yet he didn't. He tried helping with the box of memories and the and the and the words he the the he is yeah. a genuinely kind and uh and nurturing human being and it shows beautifully in here even knowing all the hurt that Aaron has caused he also understands that you know without some sort of <clears throat> resolution uh he can't, <laughs> uh you know he can continue to hurt Ryan and and he is yeah okay so he's helping Aaron partially because he's helping Ryan or he's trying to help Ryan. But I think he actually just genuinely is a nice guy. And I think, and, no, I think he is. I mean, I don't think there's been any episodes where I haven't been impressed by Graham. Oh, so he I, is, he is I, really... I also hadn't, and this may be something I missed and didn't pick up before, but I hadn't realized that Ryan's dad was Grace's son. It was never, it was never clear to me whether Grace was Ryan's maternal grandmother or paternal grandmother. Oh, um, yeah, I think it was a discussion I had with Ben. We went over that in one of the earlier episodes and and Ben was convinced and he gave me a good reason. And I can't remember what it was, that it was it was definitely uh, Grace's son. Yeah, but I was unsure at the time. You know, clearly, clearly, clearly. Well, I don't think it was very clear and it is now. I think that probably does make a difference in the sense that it would make Grace's relationship with Aaron more complicated in the in that it'd be easier to to all out hate the kind of useless dropout man who married her beloved daughter, but harder if harder to hate your useless dropout son. And so obviously because he meant something to Grace, he obviously means more to Graham. But uh, I, I think that on its own isn't that doesn't account for the way Graham behaves. I think as you say, it's it's because Graham is a proper straight up decent guy. He tells Aaron straight that he's 
he's not family just by swanning in and feeling entitled to to be so it's how he acts it's and yet when it comes down to it the way graham acts is he it, it's it's not just forgiving he, yeah like you say he tries to help him he's, yeah he's, he's just genuinely trying to help and and i will say uh even though graham slams the door in his face <clears throat> in the first sequence right mm-hmm. it's the doctor who scoriates him for being yes. awful you know graham is more forgiving than the doctor in that scene yes or yes although yes doesn't have a lot to say there but i thought that was an interesting uh an interesting portrayal of the character um when he comes in i also want to ask about ryan's father um the other thing that occurred to me when we saw the microwave was that they were trying to play up rose's dad there always on the take (laughs) always trying to come up with a get rich scheme right but because we really don't know much about his dad. He's a flippin' engineer. They're, are they playing against stereotype there? I mean, typically, the, the type of character that you're, they're portraying here, you would think he would be a bit of a layabout. But this is a guy, apparently, pretty damn well trained, schooled. And yet, Ryan is not. Um, it, it just, I mean, it's, it absolutely happens. I don't, <laughs> don't mean to say that in any other way. It's just, I was surprised by them making him uh, more than just a guy who works in an Amazon warehouse like Ryan or who's on the uh, yes. always on a shift like uh, the guys in the only fools and horses that's what i was thinking of but, all I mean, the time although although i was kind of un- i was unimpressed by the storyline as such mm-hmm. i did think they did a reasonably good job in portraying Aaron because they didn't do the kind of obvious slightly one dimensional things that are often a part of these kind of storylines where you have a character who is basically completely feckless and unlovable and he wasn't like that you didn't you didn't immediately see him on screen and think i hate 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 him you get that i mean it's important that graham slams the door in his face straight away because you get that the characters you know and you like do not like him and there must be a reason for that but it's not immediately obvious why that is and i I think that's that's important in the sense that it gives it gives some depth to the character that he, he, there are reasons why Ryan does care about him and does care what he thinks, even if he's actually felt terribly let down by him as a father over the years. And I also think the way they could have resolved this, if they'd wanted it to be more of a resolution, would have again been the kind of very obvious ways of if you know if not having him being some completely awful person who they you know they sent packing they could have had him be um be 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 kind of absolved from his his deficiencies by sacrificing himself in that in that final scene i Um, was i was seriously balancing between you know is is ryan going to save him in the end or is he going to sacrifice himself to save ryan and I, and I could not tell which way it was going to go. Been, well, I would have, I would, I would have thought that would have been quite a, a tiresome and unsatisfactory way. It would have, it would have provided resolution, but it, it wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have felt in keeping with the way in which they have handled characters with a bit more complexity in this season, and the fact that they have char- characters with a good side and a bad side. Um, mm. Just because they have a bad side of some sort doesn't mean that they automatically die before the end of the episode. <laughs> I'm going to skip to the... But, well, we're on that scene, so we'll talk about it. There is a resolution 
two potential resolutions to this episode that I would have liked better for a variety of reasons. Both of them would involve Graham grabbing the other hand of Aaron and saving him. Yeah, that's um, interesting. That, you know, there the, the two ways you could play that. Ryan could be saving his dad, and it's not enough, and Graham would be the one to step in. I can absolutely see that. And it it shows, again, that character, the man trying to bridge the, uh, the, the, the two of them. And the alternative could be for Graham to have been the first one to step in. And, you know, if Ryan is not yet ready to forgive, learning that from Graham in that sort of parent-child mode, learning from the example of the dad uh, of Graham, who he sees more of a father figure than, than, than his own dad. And both of those would have been more satisfying endings to me. What was not satisfying for me in any way, shape, or form is after he walks over there and hands him a hand and hangs on for a few seconds, that he, not bad for a kid with dyspraxia, uh, you had to remind us of that. <laughs> You're completely and absolutely non-existent disability that you have <laughs> throughout the entire series. <laughs> you had to remind us that that this could have been difficult for you to grab your dad's hand. I'm still wondering where they're going with that. <laughs> I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they are just reminding people that it, it is difficult for him. Um, I will say one other thing about the dad, the Ryan dad thing. The scene where they sit in the cafe and um, dad starts the line, something to the effect of, I know that your mom's your grand's death have been hard on both of us. And... The instant that word was out of his mouth, well, the next thing Ryan said was, I don't care how you feel. I said those exact same words, perhaps a little more colorfully, but (laughs) that was exactly the comeback that that man needed at that moment. I don't give up about your feelings. It's not about you. (laughs) You (laughs) This is is about how you hurt me, not about how these other events affected both of us. That's... And so I look at that scene, and I, and I, <clears throat> which is, is full of traitness in a way, right? I mean, how many times do they sit down and the person says, well, what do you want me to say? Well, you could start by saying, I'm sorry. And they say, I'm sorry. Well, obviously that's not a big deal. I just told you to say you're sorry. You say you're sorry. That, that you will never, that conversation will never lead to forgiveness because that conversation has to be backed up with actions and actions take time. And you can't do that in the course of, of the of sitting there in the in the room, right? Or, or but really as it goes, it wasn't badly written. I, no, I it it felt no, relatively it was, genuine. Yeah, the actual the actual scenes, and the 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 more you talk about them, the more I kind of think, yeah, there was some really good stuff in in this. The actual scenes themselves were well written and well constructed. The the character interactions there were great. It was more the overall where. Where that was going with with Dad and the and the the need to come to some kind of resolution within the sixty minutes without actually finding any real resolution that but well, it, it it felt to me a bit unsatisfying and it wouldn't necessarily have done so if I thought this was something that was going to be picked up in a future episode but it, I don't think that's the case I think the whole point about this being resolution was that it was the story of of Ryan's dad. So is Ryan's dad out from now on, or is... is... I don't see there's any reason for us to see him again. Because I, I, I've wondered about this. His his dad, obviously there's some there were some... Oh, I hate using the word resolve. Unresolved um, issues with Ryan and his dad. And as you say, they've been sort of hanging over the story. But I've always felt that they've been hanging over the story so that we can 
explore the Graham Ryan dynamic. Yeah. More so than exploring the Ryan dad dynamic. And yeah. In, in much the same way as that Ryan's mom's death is part of this whole equation, but I don't expect any time to be popping in and meeting Ryan's mom, although why not? It's a time machine and that seems like the thing they do. But <clears throat> um, RTD would do. Uh, absolutely. Well, we already did it with Demons of the Punjab with Grandma. So Yes, indeed. Um so so I you know, is is he a resource when they pop back down on Earth in the future? And that leads me to the question of what about Yaz's family? <laughs> I mean, she walked out on them in what, Arachnids in the UK and mm-hmm. didn't even say goodbye, and that's the end, really. I mean, we sat in a room with her grandmother at some point, but Well the rest of her family were there in Demons of the Punjab, weren't they? I thought that was during a flashback when she was talking about stuff in her memory. And she was remembering a time when the family had been there. Yes, the family was there. or Some of the family was there. But I don't think, I didn't think it was in the part of the story, the, the, the timeline that we saw. I mean, at the end, yes, when she's talking to her gran, that's obviously in the present now. But the others weren't around at that point. So I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's weird that they even waste their time on Ryan's dad. But whatever, you know, I didn't like RTD's insistence on coming back for the family. I understand the logic of it because, you know, Martha, Rose, their family are part of them. They aren't just free agents. They aren't orphans like Nyssa that walk off and, and her Adric that just, I got nothing, so I'm I'm out of here. Um, but I still, I still, I mean, to me, the emotional impact of that scene in Aliens of London where the doctor realizes he's come back 12 months too late to me yes. that's the essence of what he was what he was doing which is grounding people doctor who hadn't up to that point it hadn't really been about about ripping people out of their lives it hadn't yes. been about how how you know when when something as wonderful and as incredible as traveling through time and space comes along you actually give something up you make a sacrifice in 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 going along with that because essentially from our point of view the lives of every companion to the doctor began at the moment when they met the doctor and we cared very little about what they'd done before you know they might have been a let's say a computer programmer but damn they're not going to show any sign of having been one once they've met the doctor and been whirled off into the time vortex and so i correct (laughs) 10 points um that so that's that's what I like about the way in which Rose at least was was grounded in the Powell estate, and after that, I guess it felt like it wasn't as necessary, and I don't think it was as important to, to subsequent companions. Yes, but it well, changed something in the makeup of the show. Well, okay, so yes, I I will agree. The bit where they come back in Aliens of London, and we get to see the impact of the Doctor taking somebody away was worthy of a story worth telling absolutely um that was that was that was new that was fresh that was doctor who looking at itself and and reflecting on on what might really happen in the world and that's part of why i said i see why russell t davies did it subsequently i didn't really need to see any more of rose's mom and pete and uh because i don't think at that point eh. (laughs) it just it just didn't really well, I, th- I thought Father's Day was uh, again an interesting. It, it did have a. Take it did on, have a. It, what, t- what would yeah. What would you do if you had a time machine? Go see my grandmother. Oh, no. 
Well, which, yeah, so that that would that would say, but you know, it it for that particular character, the most important thing to them is to go back and and to see their dad. So, and I, and I think that you know that that story, the other part of that story, is the illusions that you have about someone who's not there, parent that you've ne- don't know, Ooh. right? I mean that it, that was fine with that. Um, it just was an over reliance on coming back to that uh, that I don't want to see with Ryan's dad. Um, at the flip side of it, I, there was the whole uh, Clara thing where she just come back do. two seconds later. Well, I hope not. Well, anyway, I, I think I think I think Ryan's dad is almost the opposite of what we were seeing in with uh, Pete Tyler or any of that stuff. In the sense that he was someone who Rose was desperate to meet, whereas Ryan Ryan's dad, it, well, maybe Ryan, well, Ryan certainly was keen to see his father, for example, at the funeral, but he he clearly. That's to show he's not a monster. That's desperate to see to see him, and he and if anything, this story was about it becoming clear. But I think I think you know I think Ryan knew it already. I think Ryan's development had occurred over the previous ten episodes, but mm-hmm. he had obviously grown up in in ways that meant he no longer needed his dad in the way that had done when he'd been let down by him. And I think that was that you know that was a point Graham was trying to make, and that was certainly something that uh, his dad came to realize. Okay, one last thing on this. Um, uh, uh, tangentially, I can't figure out. Well, the excuse of the eggs was pretty pretty lame. But there are two things that happen in this story that make me think. Well, it's either just terrible, terrible writing, or they're setting us up for something. And I'm pretty sure it's the first part. Um, one, we show up. The TARDIS takes them to Graham's house. Basically, the minute Ryan's dad arrives to knock on the door. Pretty, pretty far-fetched coincidence. And the TARDIS is traveling through 19 New Year's Eves, and then it happens to pick up an alarm from Earth, because they're, they're in time and space. There is no... It's not New Year's Eve everywhere. Why, why did they have to pick New Year's Eve journeys for the day that the TARDIS picks up a New Year's Eve alert from Earth? And that... Now makes because me ask it's a new the year episode. I know, but then that makes me ask this question: Could the TARDIS, because they're in all of time and space, right? They're in all of time, and they were nowhere near Sheffield 2019 when when they picked up that signal. They were neither going there nor coming from there. All right, could the TARDIS have picked up that signal at any time for any of the previous Doctors? Is, is there something going on where the TARDIS is plucking things out of time and space when it? feels it's the right time to do it because i i guess if you think about it you could answer all of the distress calls in the universe one after another in any order you want we have thought about it in the sense that i think this comes perilously close to what we spent a good two episodes (laughs) thrashing over when we discussed time travel in doctor who because doctor who isn't equipped to do time travel it it there is there are no ground rules about it and this kind of stuff doesn't make sense it just it slammed to the forefront on this one, uh, and it started with the New Year's Eve stuff because of like, wait, I, I, I but, but it's New no, Year's I mean, Day I special. Think... Fine, land on Earth on New Year's Day and go. Oh, it's New Year's Day. The the bit where we've just been through nineteen New Year's Days. Wouldn't it have been funny if they had said we've just been through uh, ten or eleven Christmas days? Now we're going to do New Year's Day, which would have been a great self referential joke about their Christmas specials, and then suddenly they're <laughs> doing a New Year's special. Right? Yeah, they could have been doing funny. anything. They could have been doing American July 4th celebrations and suddenly they get this and go, oh, it's New Year's. Okay. That that was all. Anyway, I, I 
I throw that out there. We should probably talk about the Daleks. Dalek. The Dalek. Dalek. <sighs> Sorry. I didn't ask. What'd you think of this episode? <laughs> Along with not I... telling you you were here, I didn't ask what you thought of the episode either. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I, I, I like the score. There was a score? You're talking about the music. I can't believe you didn't notice. I can't believe you didn't notice the music in this one. It was actually really good. No. I mean, I have only watched it the once, but... And prominent. Mm, No. Well, I I think that's fairly amazing. Um, Not that it was was inappropriate, and I I stick to my point that that's when you notice music the most, but it was was quite loud and, um, you know, in the exciting moments, a little bit bombastic, but not in a bad way. Um, huh. I will listen for it when I watch through with the family a little later today. They haven't seen it yet. Oh, no, I, I didn't. I don't know. Do we have I, we talked about the score at all on the podcast? I can't remember. I know I know that you keep insisting that you you don't notice the music. I don't notice it. Very, very and rarely. I, I have felt in certain places that the music is kind of, it doesn't, it, it it's almost, a, it counterpoints the drama. Mm. And... I feel it should be, it should almost be unnoticeable because it should be following the grain of the episode. And in in doing that, it enhances it without necessarily drawing attention to itself. Now, you you said, you just said something a, a, a minute ago about possibly when you notice music, it's inappropriate. I gotta say, I don't agree with that. And I'll cite James Bond films for an example. I could cite Star Trek, the original series, but I'll cite, uh, I'll cite the James Bond films. Because when he is about to jump off a cliff or you know, ch- car chase or something. The James Bond film theme does not feel inappropriate. It adds. No, and it's it, very it, prominent. It, that's going with the grain. That is absolutely okay. going with the grain. Because that, you know, it's it's a racy, up-tempo, brassy kind of piece of music. And that's what you want when you've got a car chase going on. And you're caught up in the car chase. And it and it's it's loud. It's action. So the music has to be, has to be loud for you to even register it. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to to be in the in the forefront because you're so caught up in the in the kind of adrenaline packed thrills that you're seeing on the screen. If you had that kind of music during a, a, a quiet moment, this isn't what I think Sagan Akinola has done. Actually, it's not so much loud noises in in quiet scenes so much as um, slightly uh, modern electronic music in 1950s America or whatever. So. Because the music is stylized, and it's in a scene where the style doesn't fit, hmm. you notice the music. Okay, and I-, I will go back and listen. You might like the music, but it doesn't necessarily enhance the, the what you're watching. Now, I, I will say this: if I haven't said this, <clears throat> um, watching the show, there's been like three instances, and I can only name two of them. Uh, there was the bit where he Ryan's walking through the in the woman who fell to earth in the looking for the bike there was a kind of an ominous noise sound there that i noticed mm-hmm. and there was absolutely every time nazi boy and rosa showed up there was this just over and over again absolutely comically overplayed villain beat those two yes. times i noticed it that, I, and that, i don't and, dislike and the theme the, the example in rosa was not not well used that music i don't dislike the theme i like it a lot better than the rat accordion they played for the 13th doctor or uh, the twelfth Doctor, and uh, well, he's the thirteenth because of the War Doctor, and this is really the fourteenth Doctor, and I'm, we're not going to get into that one. But <clears throat> but um, I, I never liked called the Doctor. 
Yeah, well, Doc War Doctor, the Doctor. It's, it's just a title. War the same difference. <clears throat> Anyhow, um, so I like I like the theme. I like the callbacks to the original theme. It's uh, there's a little bits off that, that don't rankle right with me, but nothing like the Rat Accordion. And um, I heard an interview or Daco or something with with the the composer, and they were you know during that they were playing some of his music. I really liked it. I mean, it's it's sort of synth electronic soundscape stuff mm-hmm. i mean i was enjoying it i was listening oh, i like that that's kind of some of the music i would listen to just not hearing it in the show so <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is me <clears throat> which is I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to having the the cd and listening to it because well, have some it, of those but... cues that i thought didn't fit with the scenes that they were paired with i'll enjoy them listening to them on their own uh, and and other uh, like this episode where i thought it was all actually very effective it, you know just as with murray gold's music i will i will enjoy listening to that on its own too okay we got derailed <laughs> well so i was just trying to find something i liked about the episode okay <laughs> That answers the question. <laughs> there were a few things that annoyed me about the episode. I don't want to be entirely negative, but I kind of didn't. And I I feel like I'm going against the grain here because almost everything that I've read in the sort of 24 hours since it's been aired has been either reasonably positive or wildly enthusiastic. Huh. So well, Wouldn't have gone that far. It It's like, is it is it just because you and I are just not that into Daleks and the rest of the world thinks they're the best thing since sliced bread. <sighs> Might be, but I don't think so. I think this was kind of a, not a, not a stellar I, episode. I, I, it wasn't horrible, but it, it just wasn't. Eh, it wasn't eh. horrible. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't. I, I don't actually dislike Daleks. And in fact, I would happily place Genesis of the Daleks up there along with everyone else, of course, as being one of the show's finest hours or finest two and a half hours. Uh, and the concept of the Daleks, this, you know, this, this mutated creature bred out of a, a, a war, arguably out of necessity, although, you know, it, it takes a, 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 an extreme form of eugenics to... So I, mm-hmm. I may be not going to say this, but you know, you know what I'm saying. It's 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 born out of a terrible situation, and and it's this creature that rides around in this formidable tank. And there's something there's something worth exploring around that. What I dislike is when they when they try to take the, you know, the idea. Well, not really even the idea anymore. When they when they try to take the Dalek concept, the this thing that has become incredibly popular, but do a story that isn't like every other story with the Daleks in it. They can't, they often can't. I mean, obviously, Genesis of the Daleks was intended to be a different type of story, and it was incredibly successful. But often what ends up happening is they take something that is intrinsic to what I think of as the Dalek concepts, like the fact that, you know, the mutant inside the machine is fundamentally helpless, although yeah. I guess it can cling on to someone's face like Genesis. Um, but suddenly, in order to make that work, they have it with this magical ability to take over someone else's body and control their body and mind. Mm-hmm. Or, 
you know, and for reasons that I don't entirely understand, it has been chopped into three pieces after it's dead. And it has the ability to regenerate itself, not only regenerate itself under ultraviolet light, but then somehow literally to to transport the other parts of it from other corners of the globe. I, I mean... Why didn't they burn the parts? Why? Why? why yeah, I... I don't understand. I don't understand why why they add these. I do understand why they go. Oh, we're going to have it control someone's mind and body. But that's just because it's bloody difficult writing a story about an alien. It's a lot easier if that alien can take over a human, mm-hmm. because then you can have a human actor portray it, and a load of your problems disappear. And that's why loads and loads of alien stories are about possession. Yeah, it, it's boring already. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not. And I'm not really all that convinced of the threat of this Dalek because yeah, he's going to take over 7 billion people on Earth and he's going to beat them all. Uh, a bunch of tribesmen in the ninth century took him down. Well, we Dalek, have, we, we, not we, that impressive. And, and <laughs> we, 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 had, we had the kind of the prologue explaining that it was a, a stupendous war. It was a stupendous war kind of for the ages. You, for the age, well, yes. <laughs> and you and you and you, and so you wouldn't have you wouldn't have expected that kind of army to have to be amassed in order to overcome an opponent whose troops number one. So they apparently in, in burned in a bonfire somehow. Well, <laughs> somehow they they I, managed to build sticks over him and burn him in a bonfire, <laughs> based on the illustrations. <laughs> it's quite it's quite hard to imagine how how it would have happened but if you don't think about it too hard it's it's kind of like i i actually thought there was a real threat from uh now what was the dalek story what was it doomsday where the three daleks turn up from the void and yeah about, army of ghosts army of ghosts that might that, that might have been it that's part one um, i think well they they the daleks only turn up at the end um and it's okay. it's through doomsday that they start bitch slapping these cybermen who yep. are enormously numerous and they laugh at the Daleks going ha ha there's only three of you and the Daleks wipes them out pretty much and it's that it I can believe that one one Dalek can be a serious threat so I could believe that a Dalek would put the willies up the doctor if particularly if she thought that it was about to signal to a Dalek fleet and you know how 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 could you stop it how how could you defeat how could you defeat it but that's that's a Dalek in its casing Okay, let me and then then yeah, this is going back to the ninth century. What was the Daleks' plan there? Call the fleet? Well, we're told it's a it's a, it's a reconnaissance Dalek, so it's it's basically lands on the planet. It says primitive yeah. humans call in the fleet. Why didn't it do that? Why did it fight a battle? Is it because it didn't have the technology to steal to call? I, again, none of that that whole ninth century thing Good makes question. a lot of sense. Good <laughs> question. So, and then how much of that? I mean, casing, I would have made it. it I quite like the I'll admit now I quite like the idea of there having been a Dalek on Earth in the ninth century. But you could have done that with you know a a, a damaged Dalek somehow spinning into Earth's orbit and crashing as a meteor, and you know bemused tribesmen come and yeah oh yeah boo okay. And it what it did occur to me that Dalek was one of the stories that they were trying to do, trying that what da, what Dalek did not in my opinion the most perfect story but it definitely achieved making daleks 
scary for a whole new generation because it did it did do that thing of one Dalek being a serious threat. And that's one depleted Dalek in chains. And part of that's obviously, you know, the doctor's reaction and everything. But it was it was taking taking a villain who had become a, a bit of a laughing stock mm-hmm. and re imbuing it with a kind of real genuine sense of threat. Yes. Uh, uh, if for whatever you can say about Dalek, good, bad, or indifferent, in that particular aspect of it, um, it made Dalek seem like a credible fighting force, whereas it has not been a credible fighting force for a very long time prior to that. Oh, I've thrown a hat over my eye stock. My vision is impaired. I cannot see. But, oh. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Exactly. Or part of that, as the Doctor laments, you know, I never seem to be able to get rid of them. And part of that is because they've come back almost every season. Mm-hmm. Well, not in 2018, though. No Daleks in 2018. Year without Daleks. Let that. 2019. The only thing we get for Doctor Who is Daleks. Well, I I mean, I said I wasn't keen on the episode, but I suppose I've got to admit it's the best episode we've had in 2019, and will get. So there we are. But but yes, it it is. It's the it's familiarity breeds contempt and all of that. And so it's worth trying to do something different. But I wasn't convinced by this. And even. the question's an interesting one. What happens if you, you know, if we had the, a story like da- Dalek with the with it falling damage to Earth uh, or, you know, somehow being overcome by these tribesmen and the Dalek is, uh, the, the casing is gone, the Dalek is on its own and it is more or less helpless. How does it get out of that? Because we have, we, we have seen these, these kind of fearful monsters in so many episodes, but... Is it, how, how often has it been important that they are these kind of bionic creatures? Because what's really scary about them is basically the casing. Mm-hmm. It it it's fitted with these fearful, terrifying weapons, and in numbers, Daleks seem to be completely unstoppable because their casing is completely impenetrable, and they have these weapons, and they yes, they will use them, and that's part of the consciousness inside. But if you if you take that away, are they still so scary? Or are they, you know, if, if you have a Dalek without its casing and it is completely helpless, how will it react? Has it got sufficient cunning and drive, because we're, we're certainly told that it should have, has it got sufficient cunning and drive to somehow build itself a new casing? And But how can it do that? <laughs> you know, no hands, etc., <clears throat> etc. Et and yeah. to me, it seems like crawling on someone's back and taking over their body, that's a cop-out. Uh, yeah. That is a cop-out. And I am re- reminded of an episode, and I will let you tell me the name of it. Colin Baker, Big Finish, Monastery, Daleks, recreating their cases, cover oh, of Order the... Order of the Daleks? What is it? Could it be Order of the Daleks? Did it have... Ah, um, oh, the... Uh, wow. Had a stained glass Dalek on the cover. That's the one. Order of the Daleks. Yes. Uh, I've forgotten the companion's name. It will come back to me. Was it Evelyn? No. No, that was Jubilee, which had a Dalek in a stained glass window, didn't it? Yeah, it did. They like stained glass and the Daleks, I guess. I, they I, do. I, look, it was a great cover. It's better cover than it was a story. I, I was thinking. I was thinking of that episode when I saw him trying to rebuild his with blacksmith skills. Constant uh, Clark. To, no. Order of the Daleks. No. No, it's much older than that. I don't think it's Constant. Not Flip. Who else has he had? It's Constant. Uh, we can check that. Put it in the show notes. I I I, don't, I, <laughs> I I find that hard to believe. Constance is the 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 
the the military 1940s woman, right? Correct. Yes. No, I don't think so. I, I, I have trouble believing that. But anyway, right. <laughs> we'll carry on. Um, I was thinking of that, and I was thinking they did that better in that episode. But again, it was mind control. Yes. But it was done differently. Yes. It was true mind yes. control through drugs or something, as I recall. Um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. I had forgotten about that, and I hadn't thought it was a particularly good story, but it, it did do the same thing we'd seen in this in what I found a more interesting way. Um, and, and the other thing is, obviously, the doctor says some of, there must be a reason that the Dalek went to that scrapyard, and there's a line that makes it sound like some of the Dalek casing was there. We mm. never see any of that. No, we right? see him going to, we see him, it, her. I don't know, I, yes, I don't know what gender the Dalek is. Um, Lynn, with her Dalek, going Oh, to... good, was that her name? I totally, you'll notice I ignored it in the recap, because I honestly didn't pick it up through the course of the one watching, and I didn't have time to go back. That, that, that was her name. Okay. Um, so whether, whether it, we should refer to her as Lynn when it's the Dalek who's taken her over. Anyway, MKZ Industries or whatever it was called, I got yeah. a bit distracted from what it was because it's the Welsh government building car park. I don't <laughs> tend to notice these things when I'm absorbed in the story. But anyway, um, when she went down there, they went down there, it went down there, um, and the gun was there. She then loaded in a load of other boxes into the car as well. Oh, did she? I didn't see the other boxes. I think we were supposed to assume that there was more than just that gun there. There were other bits of Dalek spare parts. Oh, okay. That's possible. I didn't didn't see that, but then I didn't see the fireworks either. So um, that's that's completely believable. Um, There is the line where when when it shows up at the scrapyard... The guy says something like, all that stuff in there I purchased legally or something, which made it sound like it was maybe some of oh, it was yes, not particularly. <laughs> maybe it was the gun. Maybe I... it was the missiles. I don't know what it was, but it made it sound like the guy was shady. And um, I was thinking there must have been, you know, like the the balls and the, the skirting or something, because I just don't believe that uh, that a human and a blacksmith uh, could forge those with such precision that, you know, they have retracting rocket launchers in them. And yeah. I also feel it's, like... It's kind of like the... That would have taken days. Sheffield Steel Sonic Screwdriver. <clears throat> yes. Should have taken days. Again, it's a, Seems to have taken minutes. It's an, yes. It's an interesting idea that Dalek casing, as manufactured on Scaro, is, we are led to believe by, I forget which of the numerous stories that have featured them, made out of Dalekanium, mm-hmm. which is supposed to account for their incredible impenetrableness, and it's and it's a um, also or bonded polycarbonate armor. Ah, uh, yes, was that from um, the Empire date building one? Ah, uh, it's from Remembrance. Oh, it's from Remembrance. Okay. Um, anyway, we it, these are things that well, the Dalekanium is is in short supply on Earth. They must have got it from somewhere in the Empire state one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the idea of having a kind of jerry-built Dalek from whatever material is around, and obviously Sheffield steel is not a terrible substitute. I like I like the idea, and I actually I thought the realization of the kind of cobbled together Dalek looked pretty good. But to me, that Dalek is not going to be as invincible, right? 
as an original Skyrim manufactured Dalek, and I felt like maybe that should have been shown somehow. I, I, I there is the frankly, when the tank pulled up, I said that's going to finish this thing because it can't possibly be good enough to withstand armor-piercing tank shells. And the fact that it out of terrestrial materials, right? The fact that it deflected it instead of being hit was the only saving grace to that scene <laughs> that that yeah. it managed to yeah. not get hit by the tank because i really feel like that would have blown it into pieces even if some of those pieces were invulnerable the bits that were binding it together were vulnerable and it should have it should have gone pop so <clears throat> again especially just, if some just, ninth century people could cook it out so well, maybe just that's to it. come maybe... back to go ahead uh, well i no, it's just recollecting that you thought that there might be some Dalek stuff in that steelworks where the guy came out. Wasn't it steelworks? Whatever it was. Barn, mm-hmm. workshop yeah. thing. Scrapper, yeah. And I was I was too distracted from what he was saying by the way that he was reacting to seeing a police officer. And I wondered if that if that came across to you. Because he, he told her, oi, clear off. And that's true. If you're, if you're hide, if you see a police officer, that's not, not a normal reaction, is it? I bought everything here legally, you get out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're right. It's not it's not the way you'd phrase it. And, and unless it was a police officer you knew. And obviously she wasn't a police officer he knew because well, she she's wasn't not a police, a police officer. officer. So I I was a bit thrown in that moment by the dynamics of that scene. Obviously it didn't last very long because he got exterminated, but I hadn't registered that what he was talking about could be Dalek related contraband as it were so the <clears throat> the other question that this raises to me is is this the has time been rewritten as such that this is the first Dalek invasion or you know is because it sounded like he was cobbling it together from his own shell from his own scraps Why? and uh, how do we know these weren't from remembrance of the Daleks Daleks in 63 or or, or, or the Battle of Canary War or Battle of Canary Wharf, or Day of the Daleks, if that ever even happened. Uh, <laughs> That's more questionable. I think I think there was a small force of Daleks destroyed by unit, just not the. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember what the outcome of that was, but um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a great. It's not a great Dalek story. Well, it's a couple. I'll say this. You're right. The mutant inside should be weak, and it shouldn't be as formidable as this was we've seen in into the dalek as an example that the that it's not just a casing it's part of its brain that that it's Mm. wired into that thing in such a way that it needs that to do its thinking for it so without that how the heck did this dalek but i don't like the fact that it's oh it's a reconnaissance dalek that's a special dalek would daleks Mm. really make special daleks I, i Special weapons Dalek. And I'm not convinced about the special weapons Dalek. You would think they would just put that weapon on all Daleks. Well, a bit unwieldy. Um, so that was kind of iffy about this story. I don't like the fact that, and this is starting with Dalek, right? They bigged the Daleks up huge there. They're most incredible geniuses. They can work that out in seconds. They're, like, they've never really been that smart. Yes, they have. They've been, they've been smart. I don't know. I don't know that they, they were, were ever, not, but they've now made. They were them not into, very smart in the eighties. They were. They were smart in even back to the original. They they could do things. They had technology, but they were certainly not. Uh, they were certainly not Time Lord level. And 
I don't know. I, I, I feel they missed a point by making them almost omnipotently powerful evil here, which is kind of what they've done. I mean, that's because they've made the Doctor almost omnipotently powerfully evil. Um, evil? Well, sorry, powerful. Evil, yeah, okay, evil. Downright evil, destroying the universe, <laughs> wiping out helpless, defenseless little Daleks with a microwave oven. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so Daleks are problematic. I would just be happy not to see them again. Or until somebody comes up with a truly original context and plotline for them. I'd, you know? I'd settle for that. I'd, do you, I think what I feel about the Daleks is that they need... They kind of need their place. What I particularly liked about Into the Dalek was that the Doctor was kind of thrown onto the fringes of a Dalek war. And so rather than having the Daleks crowbarred into some new particular scenario in space and time, let's say Sheffield 2019, you actually have the Doctor going into a situation which is, as it were, the Daleks, not their home turf, but it's, it's, and you, you, there could be some ongoing storyline, the Dalek conquest of some large sector of the universe. I mean, the problem is with the Time War, they've sort of, mm. they've done this and pretty much what else they've can you do? They've supered up the Daleks. But it, well, I mean, so if you look at Genesis of the Daleks, which is a good one to look at. Go watch it. It's a good Dalek story, people. Um, it's a the doctor, Dalek story. The Doctor is captured by Davros. Davros realizes that he's a time traveler, and Davros asks him for information, demands information from him on all the Dalek defeats. And the Doctor goes over a whole bunch of them, many of which don't sound like they have anything to do with him, right? The forces of the yeah. universe are out there opposing the Daleks, and they win. Sometimes they lose, Sometimes they win. The Daleks are a force to be reckoned with, but they are not an omnipotent force to be reckoned with. And when they stepped yeah. up to the level where they are now the omnipotent force that the Time Lords can't take down, now we have a well, problem. Yes. And, and with... I mean, of, and, course, of course, what you've got in, in Genesis is that they, they don't even know of the existence of life off of Scaro. Mm -hmm. But by the time you've got the Time War, they have and can use time travel. I think that's where it all went wrong. <laughs> I, I do. When they got I, time travel. When they got time travel, it probably was it was a problem because it's been a problem for the Time Lords in telling stories. It gets even worse with the Daleks because where was this? Where did this Dalek come from? Is it a pre-Time War Dalek? It knows Good about question. the Doctor. I don't know. He's just confused. Uh, anyhow, uh, let's see. What else do we have? They defunded unit. Uh, I already blew my joke about it being a no-deal Brexit thing uh, from earlier. Yeah. I, I, I saw Gary Gillett make a, the ex-editor of Doctor Who magazine make a comment about that, which was that he said it would have been better and funnier if they had said, I mean, if they're going to do the Brexit thing, they should have been even more on the nose and just said that we'd voted to leave unit. It yeah. Was, it was obviously I, just there as a gag. Who was the Might gag against? A funny one. I couldn't quite figure that out. A vote of our security partners. Does that mean NATO? Does that mean... UN? Does that mean no, the United States? It, it no, it's, it's, it's a no-deal Brexit gag. It is. Okay. Okay. I, I wasn't, wasn't but it, entirely sure. But it sure. was obviously, the, the, purpose, the purpose of having it there was because having gone and set a Dalek episode on Earth in the early 21st century, they needed to have UNIT in it. Because otherwise you're there, as I was, going, why aren't you calling UNIT? Why aren't you calling UNIT? So then they explained it, which should mean that I should be happy, but Doctor Who fans never happy. No, never happy. You know what the doctor should I, have been I, doing. I am not. I am not pleased to have unit now written. I mean, here's the here's the problem with it. It's 
it's well first of all i think unit has been one of the successful successful evolutions of stephen moffat's era i you know i wasn't as keen on on the rtd version of unit but mm-hmm. under kate stewart and with osgood i really enjoyed unit stories and you know chris chibnall wrote one of them a, a very good one so and in a, in a similar way i thought moffat did a good job creating the the cast of characters within the paternoster gang which the doctor could also go back and visit their time period you go to these different time periods and then head off into the universe anytime any place and know that you would be able to come back and pick up the story of Kate Stewart and Osgood or whatever. So I particularly don't like being told something monumental has happened to this particular unit outfit, particularly not since that we're now about seven box sets into the Big Finish version and I've become even more invested in the characters. But, you know, even even so, even just with the television, I think if if there is any if there is some drama going on where unit is being shut down and so that, that's a big deal. I yeah. want to know What's happened to Kate and Osgood? What what are they doing about it? And are we ever going to see them again? Having it in, having it as a throwaway line, yeah, it's almost a funny gag. I feel <laughs> I'm like I'm not laughing because I'm too busy feeling bereft. I, I think that they were implying implying is the wrong word for it. I think they were saying outright that this is just a temporary shutdown, that they've suspended them temporarily until, you know, this episode's over. Until we have a people's until we need one, yeah. Until we have an uh, until yeah. we need them for the purposes of a story, instead of can't have them for the purposes of the story. But the doctor would have just picked up the phone and called Kate Stewart directly. Yeah, that I mean that that thought occurred to me. I can get the gang back going, together. How come? How come she hasn't got a direct line to Kate's mobile or whatever? Or look in the directory, or or however you you do that. Yeah. Um, it, it would have worked with the RTD era unit because the doctor didn't really know any particular individuals. He just had he 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 had a a connection with an organisation that he had formerly actually been employed by. So although maybe everyone who he knew there had now moved on, it still makes sense for him to pick up the phone and see if there was anyone there. But that's not the case now. Mm-mm. The doctor the doctor is now personally associated with Eva and Kate is the brigadier's daughter so obviously he's not going to lose touch with her she's not going to lose touch with her consider the awesome implications of not funding the black archive yes which got a a mention at least on screen did it in this episode the dalek stroke lynn was um googling or whatever and there was a black archive web page okay all right well then Mm. i didn't see that but that yeah like where is all that stuff did mdz buy it all (laughs) Maybe that's the maybe that's what happened. Although you'd think they would have said that um, in the story. Also, also, and clearly, you know, this is actually probably the most important thing. This episode was set in 2019 on the first of January, in fact, completely unambiguously, which means that we now have one date in the history of Unit that can't be disputed. Unit were defunded well, prior to first of January 2019. Yep. I don't know what that does to the rest of unit dating. I, no doubt arguments will be raging all over the internet right now, but we have one fixed <laughs> no point doubt. in time. No, no fixed. Yes, we do. Um, now, going back to the legend of the guardians of the whatever they were, guardians of the galaxy or the guardians of the, mm-hmm. what did they call them? I can't the order that. of the guardians. The order of the guardians. So they had a battle which <clears throat> called the Battle of Hope Valley. 
They cut the Dalek up, and they headed to three far-flung corners of the Earth. One was the Aleutian Islands, I think. One was Siberia. And the third guy got cut down on his way somewhere. And he got cut down yeah, in Sheffield. Games. Got cut down in Sheffield. Our archaeologist guy is, prior to them discovering anything particularly interesting about this guy, is trying to make a connection between him and the Order of the Guardians and the Battle of Hope Valley. Which, to me, makes it sound like the Battle of Hope Valley must have occurred somewhere in that general area. Otherwise you wouldn't leap to that conclusion, right? Just like he's saying, well, we're not expecting to find Richard III because he's not in Sheffield, obviously. But it, it must tie that battle to to somewhere in that general area. So the Sheffield Guardian didn't Could get be. very far. That's kind of what I took well, from it. Well, we presume it. he wasn't going to Sheffield. Well, presumably, yeah. Maybe he was heading, maybe he was heading to South America. Uh, don't know. But he didn't get very far. And then some stray guy put an arrow in him and didn't even bother to ransack the body for parts or money or any meaningful reason for killing him I mean, I'm not saying you need a meaningful reason to kill somebody it'd be nice but uh, it, you know shot him with <laughs> an arrow and they drove off and they just left the body lying there and it literally lay there so long in the middle of a field that it somehow got buried in the very position yes, it, it was laying in it with did look the... like it was a road didn't it yes it did <laughs> it's like how many people between the ninth century and uh, Surely must have driven past that, found the body. And it also, it, you have to get buried somehow. And his body would have rotted away. Would the Dalek have rotted away? The Dalek in the in the bag is well, we, being... I'm not sure we know a lot about Dalek biology. Well, we know it takes a little ultraviolet light, which I think the sun puts out plenty of, and it can teleport itself back together. So problem solved. Dalek should have been running around all those years ago. I just... And then... And it, like I said, I, I really thought this was the stupidest plot ever devised by man. So they take the three parts of the body. They don't try destroying them. They, they cut them up. They take them to three different parts. They bury, some stupider ones. They, they bury them two foot in the ground. And then they sit down <laughs> and wait. <laughs> and they're going to wait forever. And, they're, and it, generations, which use of the word generations usually implies familial descendants, how did they even have kids if they spend all their time guarding that butt, that sack? Like, do they bring they might in have for... Shifts. It didn't seem like there was more than one. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's just the way it sounded like, so you, this guy is going to go sit well, on this thing there must have all been day more and than night. One. No, no, no. Hang on. <laughs> but they had Hang to have on. kids. I'm not arguing this is a stupid plot. <laughs> okay. But if you're, if you're going to insist there's only one of them, no, How they had they kids. Well, I don't know. That's a good, darn good question because it doesn't make much sense. Or how did they get there kids? To, there had to have been. There had to have been at least a support team. There had to have been people who. How did they, they get their support it, team? Sh- we get one guy goes out to the Aleutian Islands and sits down on the Aleutian Island, digs a hole, and goes, "Okay, now I have to stay here." What does he wait for people to come to him and say, "Hey, really important. Would you like to join my crazy quest?" <laughs> to sit here? Uh, no. How about not? I. I don't know. It just... All of it was just really, really badly thought out story. It's like, okay, well, the ninth century people were not great thinkers yet. <laughs> that's that's not even Dark Ages yet, is it? That's pre-Dark Ages. Or is it? I, I th- No, I, th- I still think you've got to be overlooking something here. Because why did they go to wherever they were going? How did they go to wherever they were going? Well, on a horse. How did they that- get to the Aleutian Islands? Did, was, did it, was it? No, it wasn't the, the Aleutian pu- Islands. I'm sorry. It wasn't the Aleutian Islands. It was, I don't know. But it, it I didn't... don't know. Was the caption not big enough for you? Well, I, you know, went past and I was drinking tea. 
<laughs> I, don't, I didn't type it down. A lot of tea. I did not. The, the, there must have been a reason for them to go there. So they must have had friends or relatives there who cooked for them and oh, maybe. maybe came and did the odd shift while they maybe. went off to um, do conjugal stuff. I just, I just feel like Siberia. I can believe. I, I, I can buy the Siberia. The, the, the semi-tropical island just didn't really strike me as within the range of bringing together an army to battle a Dalek in England. It 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 felt more like I'm just going to go as far as I possibly can and then I'm going to get in a little canoe or whatever it is they had in the ninth century and I'm going to keep paddling until I bump into an island and that's where I'm going to sit. It, I, I would have preferred continentally based locations. Uh, you know, go to China. Go to go to go to Siberia. Go to India. Go go somewhere that you could get maybe by land. I'm a little more convinced. Maybe even <laughs> maybe maybe even Africa, way down South Africa or something. But I, I just yeah yeah you may be slightly overthinking this. It's what I do. <laughs> it's what I live for. <laughs> overthinking TV shows. Well, this I'm, is, this I'm glad I'm glad you found. Something in this episode to give you such satisfaction. <laughs> uh, let's see, what else have I got on my notes? Um, oh, uh, I should put in there, I also think that they could have added the opening credits and just deleted the scene with the family that's internet went out. That was not oh, oh, the most yeah. biting social yeah, satire another... I've ever seen. No, it wasn't. It would have been Did... mildly amusing about 10 years ago. W- would they have... Um... Would they possibly be the winners of some contest? Get a scene in Doctor Who's New Year's special on Blue Peter, maybe? Could that have been a Blue Peter's contest? Because I can't think of any reason to have that in that episode, unless that's Chris Chibnall's kids, or it's his family, or it's somebody who won a contest <laughs> I don't or something. think so. I think they went, the casting call must have been for the most miserable bunch of people they could possibly find. <laughs> That could be Chris Chibnall's kids. I don't know. Hey, Dad writes Doctor Who. Now all the kids make fun of me at school. <laughs> Every week I go to school and the kids come in and go, you know, there is no way those people could have taken it to the Aleutian Island or whatever. <laughs> like, all right, fine. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I, I don't know that I have anything else on on this episode. I was, I didn't hate it. I I really don't. I really wish they'd do away with the holiday specials altogether. I don't like I, them. I, I, I don't think this was any different, really, from an, a, a run of the mill. This could have been in the regular run of the show. Yes, it could have. And it should have, have been the next week. Um, That's fine. If you know, if we Well, if, they're selling it to me for a separate only, price on DVD and Blu-ray. It's three weeks since the last and one streaming, came out. Right? They sell it to you separately. It's not part of the box set. It used to be part of the box set. Used to, and they stopped about Time of the Doctor, I think. No, I've got Time of the Doctor on the box set. I don't. <laughs> I have Maybe it as it's a standalone. In the US. And it, it might be. It might Why? be. They certainly on iTunes they sold this separately I'm, from the series. This, this I'm, was I'm another five bucks. Worries that Twice Upon a Time isn't in the box set. Apparently, I haven't bought. The yes, box that's set one yet. that's not. And I haven't bought that either. And I can't bring myself to buy Twice Upon a Time if it's a separate release and but i can't see they're going to include it with the regular series 10 box so well look what they look what they did the tribulations of a doctor who fan twice upon a time destroyed the ending of peter capaldi did a fabulous fabulous out 
He had a fabulous regeneration scene destroyed yeah. by having to have a Christmas special. Well, yeah, he didn't have to do it. It could have been the next Doctor doing the Christmas special. I thought when they had the only time they had a Christmas special introducing a new Doctor, it worked really, really well. That's really the only way you can make it fly if it's at the beginning or end of a Doctor's tenure. tenure. Yeah, make it the beginning. Yeah, but... <clears throat> Anyway, I think the po- my point about this episode is it could have gone it could have gone in with the rest. So it's a regular episode. I'm not a big fan of having a massive season finale, which we didn't this time. Yes, thank I you, agree. Chibnall. And so if he wants to just have a you know a, an episode every week and then a three week gap before the next episode, that's fine. It just so happens it wasn't a great episode. So what about? Uh, but so I'd not no even Christmas. It's the worst episode from the run. No, no Christmas episode in 2019, presumably, since they said we're not going to get anything. I would, I would guess not. So we'll probably be getting Doctor Who in the winter or spring of 2020? 2020, yeah. yeah so it'll be a long time for the New Year's or Christmas special or whatever they're going to have, if anything. Well, unless <laughs> they do a New Year's special next New Year. And but start the it. series on January 1? Could do that. Well, they could do, yeah. They did that with Sherlock. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, uh, got anything else? Nope. I think that's it. I think that's it. Ooh, this... I'll just, I'll, I'll be going, I'll be, I guess it'll, this, uh, whatever it is, 12, 13, 15 months, I've got my new season 12 Blu-ray set and my new season 19 Blu-ray set to watch. So I'll cope. That's right. And we have, uh, you and I have yet another turn at Shada coming up. Oh, yes. And Indeed. also the um, animation. What was and that off? Macra. What was that terrible Macra's one? They were coming doing? out this year. Which is the what? Terror of the Macra. Oh, Terror Macra of the Macra. Terror. Yes, that one. <clears throat> yes, Macra Terror. Yes, that's coming out. We're gonna do that one. So why that one? I don't know. But we'll be back to our animation. And otherwise, I think uh, I think we've come to the end of Doctor Who for 2018, 2019. Thank you yeah, for yes, the end of the end of 2019's Doctor Who. Thank you for After joining me. Day. For My pleasure, as always. Episodes and listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.